Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Andrew and Andrew on Texas Criminal Defense. My name is Andrew Harris, and joining me today, our beloved co-host, Mr. Andrew Decker. How are you, sir? <laughs> I'm I'm humored by the term beloved. Beloved, yeah. Well, you know, it's like it's like a, at a funeral or something, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Um, but or you are beloved. We are gathered here today. But you're here, barely alive. So, no. Okay. Okay. So moving on. We we it, both it, just got back from like a mini vacation separately. Not we don't vacation together. That would not be yet. Weird. Um, and so we're we're just getting back into the swing of things, uh, work related. So yeah, know, I said yeah, off I, the... I said yes to you one time, and ladies and gentlemen, this is four years. This this is like our anniversary, Andy. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, yeah, season number five. So you know, four full, four full, four full years. years. Of doing the podcast, so and you're still as lovely as ever. Uh, this is such an <laughs> awkward entrance. You know what is lovely? Having somebody on your team to review some of these standardized field sobriety tests. Are we talking DWIs this morning? How is that segue? Yes, we. Are. That was good. That was... Yeah. And joining us today is Lisa Martin with Texas DWI Expert. Hello, Lisa. How are you? Well, I'm okay. It was getting a little weird there, though. I can it, tell you that it was getting weird. It's not the weirdest intro that we've ever done. No, I, I, it, I, it is not. <laughs> well, that's are, good. I, I didn't realize it, but this is this is kind of the birthday of the podcast. This uh, July first date that it will be uh, published. Right. So, so just just to kind of clarify, when when Andy said that you know we don't travel together, I often say that doing this podcast was kind of like um being asked to take a trip to Canada a road trip to Canada with someone you're like oh yeah I'd love to do that knowing you're never ever ever going to take a road trip to Canada right <laughs> Andy asked me a little over 4 years ago hey you want to host a podcast with me and I was like sure I'll host a podcast with you thinking I'm never ever ever going to host a podcast yeah. with this man and here I am 4 years later yeah it's a fleeting it was a fleeting idea at first and then we just kind of sat down and was like we should just re record our conversations this there's no reason why not yeah. Nice. Um, Love it. So enough about us. Uh, Lisa, why don't you just please just give us a brief inter introduction of yourself and like your professional career for our listeners? Sure. So uh, my name is Lisa Martin and I am a retired police officer. I worked for uh, 20 years for the Denton Police Department from uh, 1998 to 2018 when I retired. Um, during that time, I spent <clears throat> pretty much most of my career um, doing DWI enforcement. So I was part of the, like the DWI enforcement unit. I worked in the entertainment districts. Um, <clears throat> I just spent all of my time and dedication working at night and um, looking for DWI drivers. Um, I'm also a collision reconstructionist and an advanced accident investigator. So I did a lot of all of our fatal crashes up in Denton during that time or our serious bodily injury crashes and any of them that would uh, result in like an intoxication manslaughter, intoxication assault, those types of cases. I'm a uh, certified instructor and standardized field sobriety testing instructor. I was a breath test operator for, oh, 18 years. Um, I'm A-RIDE certified. I was a training officer and um, I actually, I was that that officer that got all those awards, you know, for all the dedication to DWI enforcement and all that stuff. Um, and I actually, I took it very, very seriously, very passionate about it throughout my career. So 
then I retired and um, now I'm uh, helping out defense attorneys. What's that like? <laughs> Do you feel a little dirty? Be honest. Yeah. Is that like, <laughs> is that like betraying your career at all? Do you feel that way? No, not okay. at all. <laughs> I actually feel like I'm helping and I hope that I'm helping um, some of these officers that are out there doing the, the DWI enforcement. Um, I'm hoping I'm helping them get better. Well, um, you and I met, you know, years ago at a TCDLA event. It was a, I think it was a, one of the DWI defense project seminars. Um, and I have kind of steadily used you over the years to provide, um, analysis and, and give me a report on, uh, the, just the DWI investigation in whole, everything from the initial contact through to the arrest and even to, you know, breath test protocol or, um, you know, the initial blood testing, um, uh, protocol. Now, of course the analysis and the scientific side, uh, that happens at the DPS lab, you don't, you don't provide any, uh, insight into, but at least what the officer is doing while the blood is being taken, you have provided some insight into that. Um, so, you know, briefly, let's just talk about, um, I guess just your, what you've seen over the years as being like, Hey, this is something we see pop up consistently. Is there any one thing or any couple of things that in an investigation you're like, yeah, we're usually going to find problems here or here, or here. <clears throat> well, yes, the, the problems are scattered throughout, but the, the biggest problem is the uh, horizontal gaze nystagmus. Um, and I actually noticed that when I was working as a police officer, um, and that kind of is what gave me the idea that I should probably start doing what I'm doing now, because um, I was just afraid that if officers are going out there and, and doing three passes on the HGN and seeing six out of six clues that, you know, we've got a problem here and we might not me, but they might be arresting people that don't need to be arrested that aren't intoxicated. And it's probably happened several times. And so I thought, you know what, how can I help? So I would ask them, <clears throat> you know, if they would like to, you know, do a little refresher on how to administer HGN properly. And, um, you know, I didn't have any takers on that. And so I thought, well, I'm just going to go and do reviews for defense attorneys and see if these officers are doing the HGN correctly and uh, provide an opinion on that. Because I, I really think that um, if they're starting by screwing that up, you know, everything else is just going to go downhill from there. So the HGN, in my opinion, is the biggest problem that we've got going on roadside right now. Can you just, um, you know, for our listeners who may not be aware of HGN or, or what exactly that test looks like or what the officer is looking for. Can you just give us like a brief primer on that? Yes, absolutely. So HGN is the horizontal gaze nystagmus. So um, the officer is actually moving a stimulus in a, in a specific and a standardized manner uh, to check for specific um, what they call clues, but they're just, they're looking for specific things that the eye does when they move their stimulus in a specific manner. And so if your officer is not moving the stimulus correctly and looking for the eye to do what it's supposed to do when they're moving the stimulus in the correct standardized manner, then they're obviously not doing it right. And they obviously probably don't even know what they're looking for. So it's not sure if they know if, you know, we can't be sure that they saw it because they right. haven't administered the, um, the pass or moved the stimulus in the proper manner to actually 
look for the eye to exhibit what they're supposed to be looking for. So um, uh, to administer a proper horizontal gaze nystagmus test is seven to eight passes. And so when I referenced the three passes and the six out of six clues, obviously they didn't even get close enough to the number of passes um, in that the standardization requires to look for the standardized clues. Um, and that's happening a lot. You just see the officers just kind of wave the pen in front of someone's face and say they saw what they were looking for. And that's not right. how to administer a standardized test. Right. So mm -hmm. the nystagmus is like the involuntary shaking of the eye because of the introduction of some substance, right? <clears throat> yes. Um, the, but the substance has to be a depressant, an inhalant, or a disassociative anesthetic. It can't just be any substance. Gotcha. It has to be one of those specific substances. And, and horizontal gaze is just one of many types of nystagmus. That's correct. Yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm reverting to my old prosecutor days of like directing an officer about a DWI investigation. But <laughs> yeah, so talk, talking about the, the, the number of passes, there have been several cases where is, you know, watching, I've realized just counting, I, you know, because what I don't like about about the HDN test is it's the only test we really can't see the results on video. I've seen right. one or two body cams where I can see a little twitch in the eye, but I don't know that the average person, I mean, I know what I'm looking for. I don't know that the average person would see it, um, but it's not reproducible. We can't, we can't, no one knows what they're looking for and you don't know if your eye would shake or not, et cetera. But I'll I'll count those passes and realize they they haven't done enough passes, and I've had a uh, I've had an officer on the stand where I said because I watched the video and he said just stop me when once you've once you have uh, qualified this person for the HDN test, <laughs> and about three minutes into the test I stopped the video and I was like you didn't stop me and he just was and I said. Why didn't you stop me? And he goes, well, I don't know that I qualified him. I was like, so in other words, you cannot tell us you didn't do this test. You you, you can't testify to it at all. And and the, the the prosecutor kept coming back and going, well, you saw the shaking in the eye. You and then cross re, re, redirect recross. You didn't qualify him, correct? You have no standard to which it. it so it's not a validated right at that. It's not a time, test. It's not a validated sign of intoxication or right. whatever clue of intoxication. And the thing <laughs> is, this was an officer that I had seen, it, it, like that I knew. I mean, like you, he he did a lot of DWI work, and I think it was a it was a lazy day because I'd seen enough of his stuff to know that he normally wouldn't do that. Right. I mean, we all make mistakes. We're human. <clears throat> right. That's true. So when a when a defendant right is asked, hey, do you want to participate in these standardized field sobriety tests? Um, you know, we have we have every once in a while we have a client who says, no, I'm not doing any of your tests, and they're immediately arrested. What as you know, defense attorneys, you know, what should we be looking at to help formulate a defense when there's literally like no real evidence? Right. <clears throat> so that's that's really tough for. Um the officer, because if you have somebody that, and all you've got at this time is whatever you stop them for, and let's say it's nothing, let's say it's registration or something, you know, um, it's not swerving all over the road. Um, and then you've got odor of alcohol, maybe admission to drinking, and maybe a couple other things, minor, 
and you ask um, if they will participate in the field sobriety test and the person says no, you have really backed the officer into a corner to where now they can't even like check to make sure that, you know, you are safe to continue on driving. Um, and I think that really is going to be difficult for the defense, in my opinion, um, trying to explain, well, the person just didn't want to do the field sobriety test because they were sober, you know, and, um, and so that's why they refused. But then the officers can say, look, I had no way of being sure that this person wasn't intoxicated. So I can't just be like, okay, see you later, you know, bye, and just let them drive off. And if they drive down the road and, you know, run over somebody or something, you know, preventable, then obviously, you know, the department's going to be sued. We've got somebody that got killed and all of the stuff that could have been prevented. So the officer can really, you know, have a lot of, I mean, I think most people would look at the officer and say, well, yeah, I see you really didn't have a choice. You had to, you know, you had to do something because this person didn't allow you to do any type of an investigation um, into whether or not they were safe to drive. So I, I think it's difficult if a client puts you in that situation, because I don't know where you could actually go from there because the, the, the answer from the officer is just really going to be, Hey, look, I can't just, you know, it's almost like, you know, I pull you over for running a red light and you're like, no, I didn't. And the officer's like, okay, bye. See ya. You know, I mean, they're right. not going to do that. <laughs> erring, you know? erring on the side of caution. And yeah, that right. as a, as a prosecutor, it's really easy, I think, to stand up and say, hey, look, this is a, a trained professional. Here's all their credentials. They had the opinion that he was intoxicated and he refused, which is an which is a clue of intoxication. So, you know, probable cause at that point in time was established and they were arrested. I mean, I agree with you. I think it's you know, we always hear like, okay, just don't as defense attorneys, don't provide evidence. Um, if you're pulled over to the police for, you know, don't don't participate in standard school sobriety tests, refuse the breath or blood test or whatever. Um, but I, I do think it's a double edged sword. Like it can it can really limit what we can use in trial. I mean, at that point, we're just arguing beyond a reasonable doubt, you know, remembering the the standard and and that the state just yeah. did not live up to it. Right. Yeah, well, it, and you're it, and you're hoping that they that the as the defense that your client looks really good on video if everything else. Right. Right. That it's a Sounds minor, good, minor traffic and right. violation. And then that they sound good. They look good. They're not swaying at all. They're not disheveled. And you go, officer, you say he, you know, there's a mild odor of alcohol and he's not disheveled. He's not swaying. So why did you arrest him? Yeah. You know, but, that, but that's, that's never that's, the case. Yeah, I mean, right. I, I had a case before, you know, before we met Lisa, where, you know, it was a car wreck. Um, the defendant was, just kind of like, you know, obviously disoriented and it could have been from the car wreck, but you know, the, the officer's like, Hey, look, I smell the odor of an alcoholic beverage, red glassy eyes, slurred speech, admission to drinking. And then I, I uh, offered standardized field sobriety tests and my client said, Hey, look, I couldn't do those even if I was sober. So no, yeah. I'm not going to do them. And, and I right. looked at my client, I'm like, what do you think a jury's going to think of that statement? You know, like you're basically just admitting to not being sober. So right. I, I can one up that one. Yeah, I'm sure you should. <laughs> it's not often we do because there's THC present in yours, right? No, no, oh, no. Okay. This one, uh, the guy gets stopped leaving a bar here in our uh, friendly county. And um, when he stopped, he smells of alcohol. He has on a uh, tank top that has solo cups that are printed like American flags on the top half. <laughs> and the bottom half says, shut up, liver. 
And it's like, <laughs> and and he's and he's his arm is hurt, and he said and he tells the officer, "Well, my arm's hurt because I ran off in a ditch a few weeks ago, and my my wrist is sprained." I'm like, they can't use that. They can't say that that's. But every juror is going to look at that and go, "Yeah, you were drunk and drove off the road. You're in your drinking <laughs> shirt, and you're drunk." And he refused yeah. to do the test. I was like, "Dude, you just need to take this DWI." I mean, it's very seldom that I just go, "Just, just take it." But yeah. <laughs> It's, well, it's amazing. Yeah. And participating actually, to be honest with you, gives you um, so many more options uh, because there's so much that can go wrong um, when they do participate. So even if you have that guy that looks great, you know, no sway, not disheveled, you know, sounds good, all of that. Well, you know what? He would probably look great on uh standardized field sobriety test too. Right. And so <clears throat> when you, there's just so much more to attack in that, in that position. Um, I was going to mention that I just had a, a, a trial not too long ago where this uh, young woman, very young, 20, 22 years old, real small girl too, maybe hundred pounds. Um, officer got four out of six on the HGN. So uh, four clues out of the six that are possible. Um, pretty much, I think it was like one on the walk and turn and zero on the one leg stand. So, I mean, the girl looked wow. great. And uh, her blood came back at a 0.188. And so, um, <clears throat> you know, we went to trial on it and, of course, got a not guilty because there's no way. <clears throat> excuse me. I'm sorry. <clears throat> I'm like choking over here. There's no way that there would be four out of six on the HGN because that means that they're possibly intoxicated. Four out of six does not mean they're 0.08 or higher. That means they could possibly be intoxicated. Yeah. And um, and then, of course, she looks so good on the other two tests that it's like the jury. There's no way they could believe that she was almost three times the legal limit. Um, yeah. So, you know, so in my opinion, even if you have that guy that looks great, <clears throat> you know, you still want to maybe do the SVSTs, um, especially if your officer does them wrong. Or even in this case, the officer actually did everything correctly. So it was nice, you know, to go into the trial and, and be like, hey, you know what? I agree with how uh, she administered the HG and I agree with, you know, she did all the instructions for the walk and turn and the one leg yeah. stand. Cause that's, a, that's another thing. I don't know if you guys are noticing, you know, I mean, I'm sure you are, but <clears throat> that I'm looking at when I'm reviewing is um, they'll tell them on the walk and turn, you know, take nine steps and turn around, take nine steps and ready, go. And, and then they'll mark them off or use their arms or, um, you know, or whatever. They'll mark them off for things they didn't tell them and uh use those as clues and it's like well no you didn't tell them to leave their arms at their sides or you didn't tell them you know right how to turn properly or or anything like that so or you didn't tell them heel to toe sometimes they'll just be like yeah take nine steps out turn around nine steps back and doesn't even tell them heel to toe well they should know heel to toe because that's how i demonstrated well how is the person going to know that you know maybe they just think you walk funny right well and and Sometimes I, you know, I'll watch the video and that heel to toe is supposed to have what an inch and a half deviation, right? They get up to an inch and a half. No, it's one half inch. One half inch. Okay. Yeah. Some of them though, you know, it's like a half inch isn't much. So, you know, maybe they're an inch apart on one of them and they'll be like, they weren't heel to toe. And I kind of go, I, there are people that can't put their heel and toe that close together because well, frankly, they're large. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, it's like exactly. they, their their thighs won't do that. Well, and that <laughs> that's part of the you know the 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 pre-test 
clearance or whatever, right? Like making sure they're an appropriate candidate for the standardized field sobriety tests, correct? Well, it's very general in the manual. Um, okay. <clears throat> over 65 and over 50 pounds um, overweight, th that group of people were not studied um, on, on these tests. So, or people that fell into those categories were not studied. So, so the manual is just kind of like, well, you know, you need to take that into consideration that sometimes they'll have a more difficult time than um, people that are not in those categories of being over 65 or, or over 50 pounds overweight. But how, how do you take that into consideration? And that's what I would ask, you know, the officers, like, what, how are you taking that into consideration? Are you like, only going to give them half the clues that you feel like you saw or you know i mean what exactly is taking that into consideration for you for for you because you you hear them say that all the time when someone's like well i just had back surgery it's like oh i'll take that into consideration and now do this test right and then i'm going to score all these points and then so how how was it taken into consideration you know i mean yeah did, I is know. it like graded on a bell curve i mean you know right. what is that <laughs> right <laughs> So, so when, when a defense attorney is, you know, hiring your services to, for help on a DWI, like what does, what does that look like? How, how can you help defenders out there on these cases? Okay. So, um, if they do want me to look at their case, all they need to do is obviously contact me and then, um, send me the videos and the written reports from their client's DWI arrest. And I will watch the videos, uh, read the reports, and then I will provide back a report that has all of the standardized uh, criteria that was supposed to happen and what actually did happen. Um, you know, if the officer did it correctly, if they did it incorrectly. So my report comes back with um, just a ton of information on the entire case. Now, I know it can be used in several different ways to help, uh, you know, defense attorneys because they can use it, A, to save them time. They can read through my report and know exactly what's happening and they don't even have to, you know, go through everything else if they don't want to. Um, it can be used as a bargaining tool with the DA's office. I think didn't you have one one time we did together that they dismissed or something after they read the report? Yep. In fact, I've I've had that happen a, a number of times, either like complete dismissal, outright dismissal or reduction. But um, but yeah, that's happened a, a handful of times. And what I found, uh, just if I can, you know, um, get, you know, cheer you on your services a little bit is it I can tell I know what I'm looking for. Right. I have tried these cases both as a prosecutor and defense attorney. I've gone to the SFST uh, seminars as a prosecutor, and I know what I'm looking for. It is much more powerful to have a third party who's not a defense attorney tell a prosecutor, this is exactly what your officer did wrong. And this is what we're going to talk about in trial. There's nothing that you can do to change those facts. Right. So there's no issue with me giving you this report ahead of time. And that is so much more powerful in, in bargaining for an outright dismissal or bargaining for a, um, you know, a reduction or, or some, some other kind of leverage on your case. And also, I know you had mentioned earlier that, you know, you're really doing this because you, you, you want to help the police officers become better at administering these SFSTs so that innocent people aren't being needlessly arrested. And that's kind of how I feel our, a lot of times our job is as defense attorneys is like, you know, we're, we're quality, uh, inspectors. Like we, um, 
we in questioning these officers on their skills and if they mess up and we can get to them in trial, they're not going to make that mistake again. And so I give, you know, even if I don't give my prosecutors, these prosecutors, the report before a case pleads or is dismissed or is resolved, I always send it to them afterwards so they can pass it on to their, <clears throat> to their arresting officer. Um, just to, just to give them a little heads up, like, Hey, this is just some feedback on what you need to work on. So I hope that it is helping, right? I hope that you're accomplishing your, both your goals of, of, you know, helping a defense, but also helping the officers. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. I like to hear that. I didn't know that, um, that you did that. So that's fantastic. But, but, you know, and then, like I said, I'm, I'm actually some cases also, um, the person doesn't look great. They look terrible and, and I'll, I'll tell you, Hey, you know, I can't really help here or here, but, I could probably help in a motion to suppress on say HGN or something like that. And so as long as we're limited on something, maybe we can get something suppressed or out. And so I've had a lot of success on just doing a uh, motion to suppresses um, on cases where HGN is their only uh, field sobriety test and we're getting it suppressed. And then it's kind of like now the state's not really sure where to go from there, you know, since they yeah. really don't have anything to talk about, except, you know, well, we stopped the person and, you know, smelled alcohol and, you know, and then that we arrested them. So, I mean, basically their case just ends up with a huge hole in it. So, so that yeah. I've been doing, I've been doing a lot of those um, also because the HGN is just so bad. And I, I had it as suppressed out there in uh, Fort Worth not too long ago. I think it was in uh, March and then I had it suppressed up in Denton too. And so people were kind of like, wow, I can't believe you are able to get it suppressed in some of those counties um, you know, Tarrant and Denton. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so, and then of course trial, I'm definitely can, can be helpful in trials on certain cases. You know, like I said, there are some where, um, I'm not going to be able to be helpful. I would end up just being a state's witness. You know, all they'd have to do is ask me one question and it would be over, you know? So, um, but you yeah, know, I'll based on you. your training experience, do you think this person, do you have an opinion as to if this person is intoxicated? Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, and you've been straight up with me and communicating, prepping for trial, like, Hey, Andrew, look, um, for these reasons, dot, 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 I, mm -hmm. I just, I, I'm not going to be a good witness for you, you know? So, um, right. so you're not one of those experts, you know, that we often hear about on the civil side where you just, you know, you pay your fee and you get whatever opinion you, you know, you've paid for. Yeah. You need. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> right. And that I think adds a lot, a lot of credibility to your services. Um, yes, thank you. yeah. So, yeah. So you, you just mentioned you've had cases in Tarrant and Denton County. Is that, is that the limit of your, of your scope um, as a, as an expert? No. Um, so actually I could go anywhere in the United States because these field sobriety tests are standardized. Um, I, but I don't, I've done some work in like Virginia and, and um, uh, just a couple of other States, but for the most part, I stay in Texas, but all of Texas. So um, I work from El Paso to Amarillo and Tyler and uh, everywhere. Yeah, that's pretty much the whole state. Yeah. 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 <laughs> if you go to El Paso so. and Amarillo, yes. And and you're located in Denton, correct? Well, I'm in Arlington. Okay. Arlington. Well, yeah. So yeah, you pretty yeah. much covered the state by the time you get to Amarillo and El Paso. Yeah, yeah. I know. Well, at least on at least on one side of it. And then I go over right. to the east side and uh, but yeah, no, all over Texas is um pretty much I do work everywhere. 
So no matter where our defenders are at when they're listening to this show, they can always uh, even contact Virginia. you. Yeah, exactly. Well, yes. and what about internationally? Because we are the top ten podcast educational podcast. Educational podcast in where Botswana? Yeah, or Uganda or something. Uganda, a few years like ago, that. we reached that level. Like we got a notice. Yeah. Oh well, congratulations. <laughs> We're not sure happened. how that happened. Again, happy but, anniversary. Yeah. Right. Memories yeah. and hello, is- Botswana. Uh, that is fabulous. Yeah, shout out to Juana. But um, no, I don't think uh, I don't I don't think I would be able to do much work over there. Um, not sure if there'd be a language barrier or anything like that. Um, so I've actually had a few clients from uh, Sub-Saharan Africa on DWIs, and truly, they look at me and they go, "This is not illegal in my home country." Right. Okay. You know, so I don't know that you'd be of any use there either, right? That's yeah, right. that's true. That sounds like that would be a deal breaker right there. So, exactly. <laughs> well, Lisa, it's we really appreciate you coming on the show. You know, we always wrap up these interviews by asking the same, you know, three or four questions just to kind of get to know the person better behind the professional. So, um, you know, so we'll get into those. What's uh, what's your favorite book or one that you're you're reading currently? Well, I mean, I guess I've got the the bible would have to be the favorite book you know um but i've i haven't read that for a long time uh but <laughs> what, what i am reading right now which um don't be jealous is the 2023 sfst manual wow yeah I'm i know super Ooh, jealous uh, actually yeah mm-hmm. did you print it off or are you just reading it online uh i'm reading it online about to say who, who's got a thousand yeah i don't have enough paper print off yeah I don't have enough paper. So I'm trying to actually, well, I'm actually um, going to go to an update class also, um, the next one that's available, which is still in a couple of months, just to make sure I don't miss anything, because I'm just trying to make sure that I've got, um, you know, it cross-referenced with all of the other manuals uh, to make sure that we're on top of things, whatever the changes are. So, and that's a that's one thing I wanted to ask you is, you know, as a police officer and law enforcement officer, you have to maintain your your hours, your, your classroom hours every year. Are you still maintaining those hours? Uh, even though you've retired? No, Okay. no, uh-uh. no. I just go. And luckily, uh, Denton lets me go to their classes. I can show up, uh, whenever they have them. So I'm maintaining oh, cool. my knowledge, but, uh, nothing, uh, official with like T. Cole. T. Cole. Okay. So, so yeah. you are, you're keeping up with the SFST changes, just not like the, the, you know, other aspects of being a police officer. Absolutely, yes. Cool. Gotcha. So, uh, favorite band or musical artist? Well, I'm a big Toby Keith fan. Right I can on. sing along to most it, all of his songs. And is it like Red Solo weekend. Cup? Is that just uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, is it because you know, you're obsessed with DWS? How dare you! <laughs> I know. And I, I have that same shirt too that that one client was wearing. You know, with the Red Solo <laughs> Cup, American flags. So. Fantastic. What mm-hmm. about like your favorite piece of advice you've ever been given or, or one that you just, you know, dispense regularly? Uh, don't buy bigger pants. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> well, cause then you'll grow into them. Then you got to buy bigger pants again. That's uh that's pretty genius. I, we've never, yeah. <laughs> we've never had that. that it is really amazing <laughs> how, how few times the best piece of advice repeats like it doesn't yeah no, no, the no, musical we... artists don't repeat the books don't repeat i mean it's it, it is truly amazing in all this time how few repeaters we get on the on these answers 
don't buy bigger pants. I love it. <laughs> it's so true. Which so means true. I need to go on a diet. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. So, so um, obviously, you might be of uh, some interest to some of our listeners um, in sense that they may want to reach out to you and, and use your services uh, as uh, Mr. Harith has in the past. How can our audience find you? How can they contact you? Okay. So my website is www.texasdwiexpert.com. And Texas is spelled out T-E-X-A-S-D-W-I-Expert.com. And Perfect. on my website is my email, my phone number, um, all of that good stuff. It also tells you um, everything about me and how to contact me if you um, are interested in having me review a case. It has my fee schedule, um, pretty much everything you need to know. Cool. It's and, a one-stop and, shop. I found and, in, it. and in the background, it's plain red solo cup. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, if you turn it up, it is. That's so exactly what yeah, and I found that it is it is really easy to navigate. When I get a new case, I just go to the contact us tab and fill out the form. And within you know the day, you and I have kind of coordinated. You've got the offense report and videos either electronically or we've made some other arrangement and uh, and we're off and running. Um, do you know before we go? What's the like? How long does it usually take to spit out a report? Uh, it just depends on. Um how many I have ahead of it when it comes in. So gotcha. um, right now uh, I'm running about three to seven days. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 uh, that's pretty quick. I, pretty I often quick for can't, experts. I can't, yeah. well, I often can't get to look at that video in the next three to seven days, mm -hmm. which yeah. is fantastic because, you know, when, when using Lisa's service, I have, I usually have the report back prior to the discovery review with the client. And so I sound like a genius when I'm pointing out all these things, but I'm basically, okay. I sound like more closer to a genius. Than you sound smarter than you really are. We're yeah, just yeah. going to go with that. Jeez. Uh, so, so anyways, it's a great, it is a great help um, for that. So. Yes. Well, Lisa, this has been excellent. I, 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 I've, not use your services yet uh and i say yet because now i'm intrigued and i actually have a dw tri dwi trial in a in a couple of months that i would love for you to review so i'll Yay. probably be looking you up um thanks for being on the show thanks for uh being our expert at large on dwis um all right so for uh well find us on facebook find us on we twitter we still have that we still have those that's things. great that's fantastic and, and i think we have a growing Andy, at at Rusty Duncan, I we have a fan club. Well, you've told me this, and I kind of chuckled and and rolled my eyes, like, yeah, right. <laughs> like like two guys stopped me. They're like, you're one of the Andrews. I was like, wow, <laughs> that's awesome. It was. I mean, it's it's glad. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, I, I think it, one of those we're gonna try and get on the show, right? Yes, we're yeah. actually probably both of them, but one of them uh, is coming up, and it will probably be on being a public defender. For clients in the penitentiary, yeah, that, not an easy job. Ooh. So be looking forward to that to that episode, y'all. Yeah, so add us on there and, and look. If, if we do meet you at one of these events, you know we're likely, you know, just like Lisa, we're we're going to ask you to be on the it, podcast, well, just like Jake will be. Yeah, because you're you're a valuable member and uh, and one we think that. Uh, I mean, we have a fan club of two. Hey, and I'll that take doesn't it. count us or our moms. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it there. <laughs> All right. So for Andrew Harris, I'm Andrew Decker. And for Andrew Decker, I'm Andrew Harris. 
Y'all be good.